Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. Well, let's take a second and let's welcome those who are watching online. Church, let's say hello to those watching online. So glad you have joined us today. Last week, we don't know what happened. Okay, last week, we don't know what happened, but we're excited to be back and ready today. Well, uh, we're going to continue to worship God through our giving. I'd like you to know how your giving is making a difference. I don't really necessarily want to go to Iraq. I don't really want to go to China, but I want people in China to know about Jesus. And I want people in Iraq to know about Jesus. And I want people to be able to get saved in a lot of these hostile countries. So your giving is actually making a difference. And as we start off the year, there's a verse that I want to share in Matthew 6, 33. And here's what it says. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. You see, I now get excited about seeking God first. I now get excited about this, this thing called the tithe, where you bring your first 10% to God. And as we start a new year, I'm trying to say, hey, let's do 80-10-10 lifestyle. You give God your first 10%, you save 10%, and you live off of 80%. That's how we've operated as a church ever since we, we first started, is this 80-10-10. And uh, my kids were starting off the year, and I, and I, I want to show you a picture of something that my kids did. I don't know if you can see this very good, but this is eight-year-old Samuel Huseman's tithe. Uh, Naomi, 10 years old. My son, Jonathan, 14. My daughter, Brooklyn, who's 16. And then it says, Mommy and Daddy. Like, we're a family that we get excited about tithing. We're a family that we get excited about giving because we believe the principle that we're talking about. But a couple months ago, Brooklyn had surgery. So Brooklyn had to have jaw surgery and she had her four wisdom teeth taken out. And thankfully we have insurance, but we knew there was going to be like a big hit coming. Um, so the big hit was we got a bill for about $4,200. So that was a big hit. Um, so when you get big bills, unexpected bills, there's always this thought, maybe I don't tithe this month. Maybe I don't give... Maybe I'm the only person that's ever thought that here. Um, I'm sure you've never thought that, but I was actually thinking that. I was like, oh, like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. How's it going to, so um, we made a choice. We are going to be a family that ties. We're going to be a family that, that gives, that seeks first the king. So we, we transferred money out of savings to be able to pay for the bill. About two weeks later, we get a check from the mortgage company saying that we overpaid throughout the year. And the check was for $4,300. So I'm, once again, I'm just reminded, hey, this is a faith opportunity. So I, I don't want to even quit saying like giving is a faith test. It's an opportunity for God to show he's faithful. He's good. He'll provide for me. He'll provide for you. He'll be faithful to me. He'll be faithful to you. So let's take a second and let's pray. Father, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we can give to you. We thank you that you're our ultimate provider. And today, as we bring our tithe, as we bring our offerings, we pray not only for our church, but churches all over this area. Thank you that this is an area, it's easy to hear about Jesus. It's easy to know God. It's easy to have a personal relationship with the Lord. So we thank you. We praise you. We worship you today. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, um, I'm excited to, to share with you today. I, I, got, I got a new Bible for Christmas, and it's got my name on it, and it's large print edition. All right. 
I'm an adult. I, I got large print edition Bible. But next week is our five-year birthday. And man, I'm so excited. We're going to have an incredible time next week. Uh, we're not fully potty trained as a church, but we're, we're slowly but surely getting there. So man, invite somebody. There's like a little invite card on one of the chairs. Invite somebody to church. We're going to have communion together. It's going to be a, a special time. There's a few little surprises. And then the next Wednesday, January 25th, Herbert Cooper is going to be here. So he's one of our overseers. He pastors People's Church in Oklahoma City. You will love him. You'll probably love him way more than me. That's okay, though. Um, but come on Wednesday night. It's our first ever Wednesday night service. We'd love for you to be here. We'll have child care available during that service. So a lot of great things that are coming up. But today we're going to start in uh, Luke chapter 8. And so Luke chapter 8, here we go, verse 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and he fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. So there's two different people we're going to look at today. The first one is a guy named Jairus. So here's a couple things we know about him. We know his name. We know what he does for a living. We know that he's this prominent leader in the church, that he's, he's a synagogue leader. Everybody knows him. He's established. He's pretty prominent. And we also know his daughter's dying. So he comes in a huge crowd in front of a bunch of people and he begs Jesus. He's like, please, 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 would you come to my home? If you don't come to my home, my daughter's going to die. Like, you have to come. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. The sweet part for me is Jesus said, I'll go. Jesus agreed. You know, when you come to Jesus and you feel desperate, you feel like there's no other way. And you say, God, would you help me? He says, yes. So he did it for Jairus. I, I believe that he'll do it for you. So he gets this whole crowd moving. But Jairus' situation is very public. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows about his daughter. Everybody knows that he's got something going on in his life. So his situation is very public. But on the way to the house, he gets interrupted. And this is a situation that's very private. So this is what it says in Mark 5, verse 25 and 26. It says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So here's what we know. We don't know her name. We don't know where she lives. We don't know what family she's from. We don't know much about her at all, but we know her issues. How would you like that? Whereas like everybody knows your issue. They don't know you. They don't know your name, but they know what's wrong with you. And this particular woman, she has spent everything that she had. She has gone to doctors. She tried this. She tried that. She, she went on keto for a little bit and she tried gluten-free. Apple cider vinegar did not help her. <laughs> I'm being joking, just so you know. Don't send me an email. I know that's not technically in the scripture. She's tried everything, and she's gotten worse, and she's in the crowd, and she's thinking to herself, if I just touch Jesus, my life can be different. 
You're like, well, what do you mean my life can be different? She was considered unclean because she had constant bleeding. So she couldn't hang out with her kids. She couldn't hang out with her husband. She couldn't be around other people. Actually, she wasn't even supposed to be touched or touch other people because she was considered unclean. She couldn't have a job. She couldn't have a life. 12 years of this, 12 years of of frustration, 12 years of crying herself to sleep, 12 years of feeling desperate alone, like she's tried everything and nothing has worked. There's 12 years of this. And you know, I've been in both situations. I've been in a situation where it's like no one would know the pain that's going on inside of me. No one would know the frustration. No one would know the anxiety. No one would know the hopelessness that I feel. I've been in that situation just like she was in. I've also been in a situation where it's like everything's public. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what's wrong. Everybody knows the issue. Everybody knows this is happening or this is happening. Like I've been in both places. And I'm telling you, if you find yourself in one of those two places today, you're in a great place because you're close to Jesus. Both of these people are in a great place because they are close to Jesus. And I love the next verse in Mark 5:27. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. She'd heard about Jesus. What'd she hear? What possibly did she hear? She heard he's more than a teacher. He's more than a rabbi. He's more than just some church dude. He's a healer. He's a helper. He, he helps people that are blind. See, he helps the deaf hear. He's able to do miracles. Like she heard there is an answer for your life. There is an answer. There's someone that can do miraculous things. There's someone that can do exceedingly more than what you can think of. Like she heard, she heard. I remember somebody telling me about Jesus. I remember. I remember some kid, he's like, you need to come check out my church. I'm like, I go to church. (laughs) And he went to Salina South and I went to Salina Central. And I'm like, I'm not going to intermingle with Salina South people, you know? So he's like, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come. So I go and I check out the church. I had never seen people worship like that before. I had never seen more than like an organ or a piano. I had never seen that. And I saw people loving God. And, and at the end of the service, there was a chance to rededicate their life. And, and they asked if you want to raise your hand. And I just said, nope. And I just looked around. Who's looking at me? I ain't doing this. And so I went home. And I got on my hands and knees that night. And I just said, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. And that night I rededicated my life. And then I went back and I went back and I went back. But somebody had to tell me. Somebody had to tell me there is a way that you can have peace. There's a way that you can have purpose. There's a way that all the stuff you've ever done in your life, Jesus will forgive you. He'll heal you. He'll redeem you. Someone had to tell me. So I'm hoping you realize like you have a testimony. Man, I was moved by so many testimonies we heard today. Like you have a testimony. There's people that need to hear Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a redeemer. My life was in chaos, but Jesus came to save me. So man, as we approach our birthday, as we approach a brand new year, just know there are people that need you. They need your testimony. They need your words. They need what Jesus has done inside you so that they 
can hear. So this woman, she has heard Jesus is unlike any other person. And it gets her moving. It gets her moving. You know, when you hear Jesus loves you, it gets you moving. When you hear Jesus has a plan for you, it gets you moving. When you hear Jesus has a bunch of rules he wants you to follow, that doesn't get you moving. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus has such a great plan and purpose for your life. And her faith gets her moving. So I'm picturing her kind of in this crowd, almost like trying to fight her way through, sneak her way in, you know, and just being able just to touch the garment of Jesus. This is what it says. I'll read 27 and 28. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. There's things that she could have said. This is way bigger than I thought. There's way too many people. <laughs> I'll come back another day. She could have said that. She could have thought to herself, well, uh, I mean, the guy's daughter is dying. I mean, that's kind of a bigger deal than my situation. She could have thought to herself, oh, I don't really know if Jesus like specializes in constant bleeding for 12 years. So I, uh, maybe I'll try. She could have thought a lot of things. There's too many people. My situation doesn't really matter. I don't think this is the right time. I don't think this is appropriate. She could have said all those things, but she didn't. In her mind, she said, if I could just touch the edge of his cloak, he can heal me. He can help me. He loves me. I've heard that he's done it before. I believe he can help me. I believe that he's my answer. Like something got her moving. She didn't let distraction. She didn't let fear. She didn't let pressure pull her away from believing that Jesus was everything that she needed. That's exactly what she did. She said, I'm going to move towards Jesus. So she moves and she moves and she moves and she finally gets close enough to him and she touches his robe. And here's what happens next. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized that once that power, the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Imagine if all of us were trying to like go down like this little hallway and we're all like, you know, and imagine if, if the first person was like, uh, who touched me? You'd be like, what do you mean? We all touched you. Just keep on moving. Like, let, let's go. Let's go. And that's kind of what, what Jesus like, stop. Who touched me? And his disciples said, well, look at this crowd pressing around you. How, how can you ask who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. So Jesus, he just keeps looking and he's looking and he's looking and he's looking. And then he makes eye contact. Verse 33, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. She thought to herself, rut row. <laughs> this is bad. She, she came trembling. She, she, she got down at the feet of Jesus and she, she's trembling. 
She's probably like, I, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize what I, I've had this thing happen for 12 years. And for 12 years, I felt hopeless. And for 12 years, I've tried everything and I don't have any money. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I wasn't supposed to do this. I know, I know, I know. And then Jesus responds. And he said to her, daughter, 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 you're my daughter. You're my precious daughter. You're in the family. I'm not mad at you daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Jesus looks at her. He's like, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. You're now my daughter. You're now in the family. Sometimes we think if I go to church, if I go to God, if I, if I try to get close to him, he's going to tell me everything that's wrong. He's going to be so angry. He's going to be so mad. If I step foot in a church, I'll get struck by lightning. I've actually heard several people seriously tell me that. When you come close to Jesus, he's like, no, 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 no. Welcome, my daughter. Welcome, my son. I'm so glad you're here. Your suffering is over. He's like, your suffering is over. You're like, no more suffering, no more pain, no more, no more, no more. He's like, daughter, 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 your faith has made you well. So th th this whole thing is happening. And I'm thinking like, what was J. Iris doing during this whole time? Like, I, I, I think I'd be like, oh, great, she's healed. Wonder, let, let's go, man, let's go. I don't know what he was thinking, but he's, he's sitting there watching this whole thing happen. And now he sees out of the corner of his eye, there's somebody coming from his house. So this whole thing's going on. Jairus is, is and he sees somebody coming from his house. And this is verse 35. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. So the messengers come and they say, there's no use troubling the teacher. It's over. It's done. There's no more hope. The next verse, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Don't be afraid, Jairus. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Jesus is saying, I know this hasn't worked out how you wanted it to. I know this isn't how you would have drawn it up. I know this didn't exactly fit the script that you were hoping it would fit, but he's like, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. Jairus, stay with me. Jairus, don't give up. Jairus, don't lose hope. Jairus, still believe. He's like, she will be healed. There will be a happy ending. There will be hope. He's like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so it's interesting that it says Jairus's friends came and they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. There will be people in your life that will be like, don't bother the teacher. Jesus is just a teacher. He's just a rabbi. He's just religion. He's just a bunch of good ideas. Don't bother him anymore. And the question is, are you going to believe Jesus is just a teacher? Or are you going to believe Jesus is a healer, a redeemer, a savior, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that nothing is impossible for him, that he's able to turn dead things back to life? Like, what are you going to believe? And in the middle is Jairus. Fear is coming. Doubt is coming. Death is coming. And Jesus looks at him and he's like, don't believe don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. 
So it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in that moment? I found in most, most of the moments where God is asking me to trust him, fear is present. Doubt is present. That it's not just necessarily an easy route. That it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. But it comes down to the question, who's loud, whose words are the loudest? Whose words are the most powerful? Will I believe my friends? Will I believe my family? Will I believe people sent from my house, sent from the sphere of influence saying, ah, Jesus isn't all that. He can't really heal you. He can't really change your life. He can't really give you purpose. You're not really gonna go all in with God, are you? Or am I gonna believe the words of Jesus that he says, I'm the same as I've always been. I'm the same God. I'm the healer. I'm the helper. I'm the redeemer. I can change your life. I can redeem your life. And I want you to hear this morning, he is the same God today that he's always been. This is what it says in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Two very different situations where one is public, one is private. And I'm so thankful that we have a story where Jairus is faced with a really tough decision. Who will I believe? Who will I follow? And he says, Jesus, I believe you're more than a teacher. I believe you're more than just words. I believe you're more than just religious acts, that you're a savior, you're a healer, you're a helper. And he follows Jesus to his house. And as he goes into his house, people are laughing. They're laughing at him another chance to get discouraged. And Jesus is like, no, 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 come on, come on, come on. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. And he goes in, Jesus lays his hands on his daughter. She lives, she stands up, she breathes, she's redeemed. Things that were dead come back to life. This is who we have in Jesus. So whether you have a situation that's private or whether you have a situation that's public, I want you to hear Jesus is your answer. He takes things that are dead and he brings them back to life. That he puts his hand on things and he adds purpose and peace and strength and hope that everything you need, it's in Jesus. He's more than just a teacher. He is the healer. He is the redeemer. He is the great I am. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it can live inside of you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants a personal relationship with you. Let me pray for you this morning as we close. Father, thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, it's living, it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword that it comes down and it pierces all the way down to our soul. Your word is truth. And so we thank you for your word. Jesus, we believe you're more than just a teacher, that you are the great I am. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the great almighty God. And so we worship you. We thank you. We come humbly before you. We ask you for help. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've gotten a little off track. Maybe you don't find yourself as close to God as you want to be. Or maybe today, for the very first time, you want to dedicate your life to God. So whether it's the first time ever or the first time in a long time, I'm going to do something very simple. I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray. As you're saying, hey, I want to dedicate my life back to God. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. But sitting right there in your seat, I would love to pray with you. So just lift up your hand at me now. If you're saying, I'm dedicating my life to God, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Yep, 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 pray for me, pray for me. Yep, 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 good, good, good. You put your hands down. God sees your hand, God sees your heart. Let's say this prayer together as one big church family. Repeat after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life 
and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I confess that I've sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me, to heal me, and to redeem me. Today, God, I dedicate my life fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can we celebrate life change today? Man, I love it, I love it, I love it. Every single week we see lives change. So let me give you two quick things. If you raised your hand today, tell somebody. Like we need people that are excited about us getting close to Jesus. And then the second one, just keep coming back. Keep coming back to a place where you can feel loved and valued and you can be around other people. We all need a community of faith to be a part of. So next Sunday, we're going to have connect group signups. There's like 15 different groups that you can sign up. They're on all kinds of different days. There's men's groups, women's groups, college groups, uh, teenage groups. Um, there's all kinds of different groups that you can be part of. So that is signing up next week. Step two will start in about 15 minutes. So we love you. We're praying for you. Cannot wait for our five-year birthday next week. God bless.